Today we're at the studio of Oscar Dempsey, who, uh, in contrast to I think all my previous guests, you're you're a set designer. Yes, I'm a stage designer, or set designer, performance designer. Yeah. So it's more of a team player rather mm -hmm. than an individual artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that would be interesting. Yes. Yeah. This I mean, our my studio, um, which is part part of Grey Garden Studios. Back at uh, Grey Gardens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm a stage designer and a visual artist. Um, so I have been kind of working in different roles. Um, I kind of more started as a visual artist, but I was always working within performance. And yeah, but now predominantly I've been working as a stage designer and also a prop maker um, for films or commercials or whatever needs props. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You're not Finnish. No. Where do you come from? I'm uh, Northern Irish, uh, which is um, the northern part of Ireland, which is part of the UK, but also part of Ireland. So it's like uh, a, a unique country where you have um, access to two citizenships. So you can be both British and Irish. Um, but yeah, I've been living around the place. Uh, I first moved to England when I was 18 for my first degree. And um, then I'm, well, I was there, I did an exchange in Denmark and um, then I went back to England. And then when I graduated my first degree, I moved to Copenhagen um, to sort of get out of the UK. And um, uh, while I was there, I did an internship um, at this theatre company called Hotel Proforma. And it has a, well, used to have a programme of international interns from different parts of the world and while I was there yeah I met my very first Finnish person as I never met one before um, and he was very nice uh, and Fabian Newborg and uh, he told me about this course in Alto in Finland or Helsinki and yeah the rest is history and then I applied and here we are and I've been living here now for six years. I graduated from my master's or I did my I applied for my master's in Helsinki and then I graduated three years ago. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I have to admit that when I saw you from Northern Ireland, I was like, oh, I remember that from the news when I was a kid. There was yeah. they, they had these clashes there. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. not, not anymore. Yeah, no, it's it's been quite settled yeah. for a while. Yeah. I think it's just um, that's all I know about Northern yeah, Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's the common thing that, uh, especially for many years, the only thing in terms of media uh, or press that came out of Northern Ireland was um, reports on, on troubles or, or after effects of the troubles, um, which was the civil unrest there. But but no, it's, it's quite a different place uh, now. And um, I think it's been... Uh, I haven't lived there in quite a while, but uh, I think it's been flourishing with a lot more um, interest in tourism and actually there's a uh, huge amount of interest with uh, international production companies now filming within Ireland and Northern Ireland um, because they have very big, very, some very big film studios there. So yeah. Was yeah. your first degree also in upstage design? No, so my first degree was in fine art. Um, I was studying at uh, Newcastle University which is the northeast of England and the Bachelor's was called fine art, but it's a pretty broad term. It was like um, essentially like the practice of contemporary art. So people were doing all sorts, whether it was 2D work or painting or video or mixed media. Um, so it was pretty broad and I really enjoyed my time there because it felt very, it was my first kind of experience of being uh, very free as a artist um, and that's when I really started doing performance and um, I myself was kind of being a performer but um, I've always kind of been making things for performance and so I kind of just uh, over the years I kind of more gradually went towards designing the stage rather than performing in it so yeah yeah so you prefer to 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 be Yes, I think so. Uh, sometimes, of course, I would like, but I think I really, I really enjoy the designing and creating, and I like designing with performance possibilities. So the idea that I can make something that can be interacted with or played with, um, so that's why it's. I, I wouldn't 
say that I, I just do stage design, but it's quite a broad term of designing for performance, which can be a lot of things. Um, but that's, yeah, I think my main interest at the moment. And there is this, uh, or, or maybe we should talk about it later, but I'm not sure. Like you, you said you are very busy at the moment because you mm. are preparing for some mm -hmm. specific performance. Yes, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working with a group called Sivo Henkilot, and they are a contemporary circus group. And we've worked once before, many years ago, but now we're working on a performance in Circo, and it's called Luca Mari, um, which I think translates to like bone chamber or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a, a really interesting performance kind of all around death and uh, mourning and processing death and people and the lives that are involved in it. But um, but it's uh, it's contemporary circus, so there's really nice kind of circus elements and performance elements, um, and I, yeah, I enjoy it because it's a bit more uh, it's a bit more fun. Um, but yes, we have we're working on that, and we are premiering on the fourteenth of November, um, and then they think they run uh, for the week in nice. Circo. Yeah, and there will be links. I will leave links. Yes, yes, yes. And I think we're also, in addition to performing in Circo this year, we're also taking the performance to Stoa, the space in Itigescus, uh, next April, I believe. So there's another chance um, to see it. To bring you back mm -hmm. from from your current state of a stage designer, uh, did you, when you were a kid, did you know mm -hmm. that it would do something in the creative sphere or did you want to be an artist since you were little? Yeah. How did that happen? I think I really have always been making stuff. Um, I don't necessarily, when I was younger, I didn't really maybe understand exactly what it was to be an artist or a designer. But uh, I think I've always wanted to make stuff and uh, I was really lucky to have the support as a child that I really was able to express myself when I was young to make all sorts. So it kind of just followed a path um, like kind of studying it in school to then studying it as a degree and eventually kind of working full time in it. So I've like, yeah, always been involved in the arts, but in a very broad perspective that uh, like I've always had an interest in, in everything artistic, whether it's like music or theater or crafts. Uh, so I think it's been a really just, um, well, yeah, it's like the biggest purpose in my life and um, I've always been involved in it. So I've never, uh, although obviously working as an artist has its difficulties, I don't think I've ever considered otherwise. It's just never been a possibility not to work within it or continue doing it because it's just such a big part of me and my life. Um, but yeah, I like to, to the, the interpretation of being an artist or being a designer can be quite broad because of course we think of mm, artists in galleries exhibiting but it can be really a lot of uh, especially as a I think designer broadens it a bit that it can be a lot of things and I enjoy that um, flexibility but also sort of the interdisciplines of different crafts I really enjoy being able to change and try out different stuff yeah yeah I'm sure it's hard to get bored yeah, yeah, that's true, but it's it's also hard to focus on one thing then. <laughs> that is true, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, what have you been working with? Um, in terms of like mediums and yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's been quite uh, a vast a vast amount of materials because we kind of or if I'm working as a stage designer in a group that it's a very much a collaborative effort. So we might start from different uh, starting points, whether it's a script or a dance or an idea. So I can come into it and have certain um, ideas already, but then I think a lot of the time the material follows the, the, the process or the idea or the collaboration. Um, but what I can say is like I, I work a lot with constructive materials, sculpting materials, larger um, larger kind of materials that I really like working on bigger scales. 
So there could be anything from like wood to paper to foam to like fine materials, but I really enjoy being very much part of the making process. So I tend to design things that I can make or sculpt as opposed to um, buying pre-existing mm. set pieces. So it's been quite a variety of material and I think that's just within um, stage design if I'm a part of a group but then I also have like say personal work or personal projects where I like to in double in interior design where I can make a stool for myself or like um, stuff like this that go beyond my work and maybe more just like personal interests whether I want to work with clay or something but I think my practice or my work has really always been material based so I like to um, test out different things yeah <laughs> yeah more sculptural of course yeah I think always with a sculptural approach um, to making things yeah yeah and how does it go usually uh, when you work with a group for some performance? Do you work with them since the very beginning when they mm. are discussing ideas or do you join them a bit later when they yeah, already have something? It really depends on the project because there's a variety where sometimes um, uh, it, it usually depends on kind of money and time so that of course a lot of groups prefer that everyone can start together at the start because it makes for a more collaborative process but some people might be involved earlier some might join later for whatever reason so it can be that I am with the group from the very start and we develop ideas together or there might be a group that might have already an idea for a stage or some pieces and then they just need me to come in and um, kind of offer some advice or make something and um, so it can be really like uh, a different parts of the process but usually um, we kind of start that say the director or the choreographer or someone has an idea and and then they ask others to join and that's usually when I join so from the start but usually someone has something in mind that I jump in yeah <laughs> yeah do you like to have more of your input there or do you yeah I think like um there, there comes with it like a flexibility of, of jobs that I can it's always really nice and like uh, helpful but also like interesting for me to have input or have my own ideas but I can also realize that that not all jobs or not all projects kind of have that and, and they kind of come with different levels of mm, like my involvement or purpose that 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 sometimes I can be okay taking a, a, a step back and letting others develop the ideas. But uh, of course, like where it's possible, I like to have my own input and I always come with a, an existing interest and influences, whether it's ideas or materials. So I always bring that to whatever level it is. How much would you say that is the roughly percent of the, how uh, when you work with for a performance mm. uh, versus when you do your own personal stuff. Mm. Like in terms you separate of time them, like, or, yeah. or like do I separate them as like... As like or, or do you even separate them yeah. conceptually in your mind? Yeah, I think there can be group projects which I would consider as my work as a stage designer and then there can be say solo projects where I might do something by myself, for myself um, and that can be kind of a variety. So I would differentiate them it depends on the on the outcome that am I making this for, to be in performance or am I making this to be visual art that uh, isn't interacted with maybe so much. So they can be very different approaches to making work. Um, so I do kind of separate them and but I have been majority working uh, in stage design with groups and um, other performers. Uh, so my I haven't been doing so many uh, exhibiting in galleries as of much um, but I still have interest for it but it's uh, yeah a, diff a different um, approach but also practically um, it's quite different like financially that as a group the there's the the burden of um, these issues of administration or applying for grants or these things are kind of then spread a bit more but as a 
visual artist or an independent visual artist, then you're very much doing everything by yourself. So they differ in that way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a separate artist, you also end up with administration and stuff and applying yeah. for grants yourself as well. But yeah, yeah. Maybe it's easier to apply as a group though, because you would yeah. need to do everything. By oh, by for, for, for sure, it's especially from uh, my role that I'm not always then responsible for applying for the grants. That if there is a producer or someone who's more kind of involved with it, the, then they would be um, the ones applying for the money, which does take a, a load off um, my work that I can then focus being a designer um, as opposed to also being like a producer as well. So I find that maybe the biggest difference between working in visual arts and, and performance arts or live arts. Yeah. So when you do your own individual work, mm -hmm. how do you approach it? Do you have a sp specific theme that you work on or a set of themes? If it was a, a personal project, I think it could be kind of a variety of things where, as I mentioned, like I, I really get inspired from very practical point of views of interior design so that I need a chair or I need a wardrobe or I need this. And then I find that a nice opportunity to, to make something myself. Um, and that is maybe a bit different that it could be a bit more craft uh, based and not so say much conceptually based so that for that I would really consider you know like the the material the colors and stuff like this and um, but then for instance if I was working on a personal project that was for a gallery then it might have um, a bit more background of yeah some kind of concept or idea but I think like there is definitely like a reoccurring element with all, all that I make and that's kind of usually making objects, whether it's stage or sculpture or interior design. And usually I like to have a kind of relatively playful approach to making things um, so that, yeah, I, I think I really am inspired by like, I don't know, younger people or children making art and this kind of approach to having a very DIY fun kind of making things. Um, and usually I, I like to um, have approach of making very organic objects uh, in terms of like the shape or the inspiration, whether it's kind of rocks or earth formations or kind of natural beauty, like I find that really inspiring. So I tend to go towards more organic shapes and rounded objects as opposed to kind of more sharp and geographic or not geographic. Geometric. Geometric, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I tend, yeah, that's what I might go for. So I, I think I could see that really with, with all of everything I make, whether it's stage or or elsewise, yeah. Do you work here only or somewhere Yeah, well? it depends. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's of course, I would love a, a bigger studio. Um, I think ideally what I would love is like a, a big workshop that had you know all the equipment um but yeah i'm a freelance stage designer so i work with what's possible but um i'd say it depends on the project that for instance if it's possible for me to make something here then i will um but for instance if there is if i'm working in a theater or a performance space and they might have access to a workshop that a lot of these big theaters or performance spaces have then i might work there um, and it's usually just down to space and like availability that obviously a lot of stage pieces can tend to be bigger and it's harder. It just kind of comes under the practical things of the door size and the building door size and how, well, how is, what is the difference between my studio and the performance space. So it depends, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say I, I'm not making 100% of my stuff here. Um, because it is limited with the space so and then I tend to yeah just gather materials and then keep them here um, which is why I can get a bit crowded. What was the biggest performance you've worked on like how how, how big this stage like, was? Yeah well I think recently um, in terms of say one of the biggest performance spaces uh, this summer uh, and 
start of autumn, I worked um, on a performance piece called Upotapia, and it was with the group Kaiken Keskus, which translates to Center for Everything. And it's um, an immersive theater company, so they search for predominantly mm, unused spaces, or like say, spaces that haven't had performance in them. So they don't really so much go for uh, stages or theaters. So this uh, latest project, we work it, we worked in the Gasogello, which translates like a gasometer space, and that was in Suvilati, um, and it is one of the large kind of brick rounded buildings that was used originally to store gas and process that years ago. But um, it is, I don't know, I forgot the exact size of it, but it was huge. Like it was like the size of like the Pantheon. And it was such a, for me, a really cool space to work in because I get really inspired by these really large spaces. But because um, it's run by the city and they're only starting to rent it out to people so they uh, were quite tight with what was allowed so we had to kind of very much work within their framework so the pieces themselves couldn't be um, well they were quite big but for me they could be bigger <laughs> but uh but I think that was one of the biggest performance spaces I've worked in I'm not sure of the different spaces in Suvilati honestly I, I, mm. I mean of course I've been there but not like yeah it's like um you know when you go there and you see there's like two rounded buildings and one is just the exposed frame structure like yeah. there's no roof yeah so it's like the one beside that is the one that has the roof and the walls so that one and there was that, that one yeah and so we worked within that but it's like the same size so it's like really big and um and it's round yeah like it's rounded and then has a kind of curved top and um it's it's very cool because it's just completely empty um, they have the original kind of walls and then it's just a bare concrete floor but they have the original structures but because I think it's like they're still doing a process of cleaning it out and making it safe so that's why they um, are limited with what they're allowing people to do within within it but yeah it's a very cool space and obviously how you work it depends a lot on the project that you're working on but do you have some specific ways of working yeah that get repeated yeah I think generally for my routine as a stage designer there's kind of um, you know the initial meeting with people where we kind of debrief what what it is and very practical things of where it is when it's happening how many people are involved what is the funding situation and that really helps kind of um, for me to predict the the path of how, I, how I'm going to work. And then it kind of goes through a process of then we would collaborate more and develop the ideas. And then I might then take some personal time to research or find inspiration and influences, and then could create some sort of like mood board or inspirational thing. And then, you know, we, we kind of, it's a process of leaving and coming back together as a collaboration process that we may not be at the earlier start of the stage, we're not together every day. So it's very much just coming back to it. And, um, but I think that can also be helpful sometimes where um, a lot of designers might say like, I'm kind of letting it simmer in the back of my mind, you know, that I might not be actively working on every day, but the ideas are kind of there and it might be kind of just chugging away at the back. Then and then go and take a shower and yeah under the water and have an aha moment exactly yeah yeah like you kind of or like that it's in the back of your mind that when you might get inspired you might see some piece or some material some idea you're like oh this could work or that material could work or i wonder what this would be like so kind of that idea um and then when you get a bit more involved in the process then it's more making designs or making some suggestions and then you would show that to the group and then if they like it they we can take it forward and then it's more physical planning of okay what material sizes costs and then again if that's kind of approved then you might go into making it and then there's always a period i think the rehearsal period is then the most important part where you might be bringing something or developing something at the same time and then then when you're in the space and with the performers then you can really see how things work because before that stage it's 
ideas and then um, in rehearsals they can kind of be put into action and you can kind of think or see that maybe what you were thinking doesn't work or that actually this is a bit more interesting so you have to be quite flexible in that way that you might have a, an amazing idea but you might have to let it go for the the overall performance or idea um, and I think that's yeah at, le at least that's what I've been kind of trying to do yeah I think that's the the rough process I think for for me as a stage designer in most performances yeah have you worked with have you been several stage designers for one performance or is it just you usually usually the the projects I've been working on and I'm also wondering if there have been I'm sure there are some performance projects where there are more than one stage designer but I guess it's usually down to to budget and funding of how much people are you know can get paid and um, but yeah it's usually that I would be the stage designer and I'm usually also making the work as well but then if there are opportunities for um, say hiring others to help execute the work then that can be really helpful especially if if the yeah I'm just thinking if it's some yeah. big space how how can you do it by yourself it's a lot of work it is a lot of work <laughs> it is a lot of work and <laughs> Um, of course, I would love uh, any opportunities to have others join me, whether they're assisting or making stuff for me because it really lightens the load and helps out, especially just having uh, a second pair of eyes and ears to sort of bounce ideas off. But it sometimes doesn't always happen where um, there might not be... Well, it's like maybe that the money you have could be either on more materials or also on hiring someone, so you have to just balance up what's important for the piece. It's, it's a difficult one because I myself personally really like being involved in the making process. So I do enjoy making the work, but then it can be a lot when you're trying to design it and make it and also like collaborate with the other team. So it can be quite a lot. But um, when the opportunities are there to have someone else join, then I try to take them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever spoken with a stage designer about how they work. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you and there is a certain number of performances going on with this stage, uh, with this setup, and then what happens to the setup afterwards? Yeah. So yeah, again, it depends with the say the length of performances. Um, it could be something that it's on for one or two nights, or it could be something that's running for a month, um, and then that also really dictates what kind of work I'm making that it has to be sustainable and then usually there's a kind of discussion early on whether there's potential that the piece would tour so that if it, it is made for well if it is decided that this piece is going to tour whether it's been confirmed or not then that really dictates the, my process as well that whatever I design or make has to be something relatively adjustable to different spaces relatively more simple to set up and take down it has to fit into a van so that really changes my process um and in terms of afterwards it's yeah it's it really changes and again it's it's really down to um to finances that um does the group or the company that i'm working with do they have storage space um do i ha do i have storage space and if not then it's a then th some things can be taken apart and just kept for the materials. Some some things, I mean, I've been trying to take more like sustainable approaches that there's some really good um, avenues for others to use parts of your work so that, um, for instance, there's a really good Facebook page uh, called Roy Narani, if I'm saying that right. And um, people from performance or film would post on that saying I have this material, I have oh, this set right. uh, and then usually there's a lot of people that might be interested saying I could take that and then it, it really helps that others can A get things for free but also that it's your... Things get used. Exactly, things get used and yeah. it's a really good process where I both have sourced stuff from there and also kind of um, yeah advertise my own stuff there so that's very helpful. I remember now the Facebook group Roskalava where mm. I mean they post uh, whenever there's a container with somebody throwing huge stuff yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, a... it's always really helpful when 
because especially that it's more often not that budgets can be a bit more tighter. So of course it makes sense when things can be cheaper or free. And then it just makes sense that these things could be reused. And yeah, of course, especially some materials that if you if you need to throw them away in the end, that wouldn't yeah. be there forever. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's also very much kind of part of the process of considering the materials. I feel like I've worked in both worlds uh, in terms of as a independent artist and also as like a set designer who's collaborating. So I've, I find it really interesting kind of comparing the two worlds and especially just the very day-to-day -day kind of life um so how does that look like i mean <laughs> i mean i think both our guests are quite project-based or like uh, that either someone can have an exhibition or a residency or something in mind that they can orientate their work around um but i will say one of the kind of main differences is i what i enjoy about as a independent visual artists is that there's maybe a little more space and time to develop what's considered a practice and it's very much based on personal time that maybe artists don't have a a set goal in mind but it's more like I have this period to play around experiment kind of test materials and um, test some things I'm interested in without uh, the idea that it needs to be finished or for something um, so I think that's a really nice time to, and a kind of quite precious time to sort of test things and try stuff that as a stage designer, I don't feel that I have so much of that, that usually, of course I can do things on my own time, but usually I feel there's a, a project or a performance in mind um, that I have to make things for, and there's a mm. deadline and there's a premiere date that I have to work towards. So sometimes I, it would be nice if I felt that I had more time to experiment or test things without the idea that it needs to be finished. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, if you're an individual artist and you have an exhibition coming, that's kind of your deadline anyway. Yeah, exactly. And as I, yeah, as I said, people usually are working towards that. But at least I felt when I was working as an artist, I had more time. But then it's also like maybe a question of money and time and how much time are you willing, you know, to take mm. out of your own stuff like this so um, yeah. yeah it's a balance yeah game. exactly it's always a balance so how did you find yourself in great garden studios yeah um but it was years ago i think it was like 2019 um like a friend said that there was some uh event at this studios and it was sort of like a projection night but also bring your own kind of work in terms of like some kind of thing that could be projected whether it's like video or something digital um and well, that, i remember that one it, i think it happened like a few times yeah yeah and it was at least um when i was there it was shown in what was the lobby i never went yeah okay okay <laughs> i always planned to go yeah yeah went. but i but um anyways i went my friend actually didn't go so i went by myself um and i really had fun but i remember it because I met Jane there, who's also uh, Irish, so I remember her, and then... Jane Hughes, who is a previous guest of the yes, podcast. Yes, yeah. And um, and then I think it was like a year later, after I graduated from my master's, and I was thinking, okay, it could be nice to have a space, that I think I just posted um, on the mushrooming group in Facebook, and Jane replied to me there, and then... Uh, yeah, and then I managed to get in that way and originally I was in what was the lobby space so they kind of set up a In-process studio it was very much just like kind of fabric walls um, But then yeah, I, I've been part of it ever since and yeah But yeah, that was before you moved to yes. Yeah, so that was when we were in the Basila yeah. and I had two different studio spaces there and then when we were planning to move, uh, we scouted out this place and then we all kind of divvied up which rooms we were interested in, which was according to price and space. Um, yeah, and we've been here since April 2022, I believe. Well, that's like a year, so like, and, year and a half. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was then. So it's been over a year and a half. So yeah, yeah. And you're gonna stay here until? 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's un undefined. Um, yeah, I'm quite happy here at the moment. As I said, like I would love more room, but I think it's just a financial question where this is kind of what I can deal with at the moment. Um, but uh, but no, I, I quite like um, well, I like this the the studio for many reasons. But also, it's nice that it's really central in Merihaka. Um, so it's of course it's you know a little more expensive than if you were further out but I like that I can access you know shops or if I need to go to meetings or meet friends it's really easy and uh, yeah yeah but also if you if you are somewhere further out then you need you know trying to transport yourself there so that's exactly yeah yeah yeah, evening yeah. Out in the end yeah yeah exactly something. and uh, yeah how important it is for you the community here and do you yeah get like feedback for work or something yeah that. it's it feels like really super important uh for me and also just like as a as a designer and an artist where um i've had like different studios and different places throughout my life and they are always very helpful for for me to be able to separate my my life my personal life and also my work that I can have a space where I live and then a space I can go to work. And I think it always kind of stuck with me when I did um, my first degree that a teacher said, like, just always come into the studios, even if you're doing nothing, even if you just want to go in and hang out with your friends or talk or read or have a coffee. Like when you're in here, you're you're kind of still part of like a creative process uh, where you're kind of developing stuff. And so that's always stuck with me and it's been extremely important to have space where I can physically work or have space where I can um, kind of come and talk with others. And uh, even if it's just like coffee or lunch, it feels really important to me to have like a, some sense of community. Um, because usually, especially as artists and designers, your work can be a bit isolating. Um, so I find it really important to to come here and chat with people and and if there's, you know, a possibility to ask for, yeah, like some feedback um, or borrowing some materials or borrowing tools. That's always really helpful. Um, and then I think we can do the sort of give and take system. So, yeah, I like um, it feels really important that I always, always recommend it to people who are kind of interested as well, because it feels, yeah, very important. <laughs> so do you come every day? I mean, I wouldn't come every day, no. Um, and it depends, like, on my work where... Uh, Unless you have to be somewhere else working. Yeah, yeah. So, like, my work is, like, project-based. So, and then that, depending on where I am in the project, can be... I could be here every day or I could be in the... with the group every day. Um, but then when I have the my time off, then I tend not to come in because I feel like I need some distance or separation from my work. Um but it's always nice having the possibility uh, that even if I need to mm, send some emails, I find that kind of more helpful to come here and do it. Yeah. How many square meters is this? Um, I think it's 14 meters squared, so it's a bit longer and thinner. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of... Uh, when we were looking at the different spaces, everyone's rooms are different sizes, and for me this was, I think, just the best price for me so I would like something bigger but uh, I can make make it work with this I just have to be quite well I would say I'm quite I would want to be strict with what materials I keep but there's loads of materials so I'm not that strict but I have to yeah maybe pass on things if if, if I don't think it could be useful but then I end up keeping everything so <laughs> do, do you have some other space where you keep stuff or is this, is this your um, not really. Like, uh, yeah, this is this is where I have all my tools and materials. I don't particularly have any kind of like, what do you call it, like works or designs here, but I think the materials are kind of really interesting in of themselves sort of thing. Mm. So I sculpted these as part of my um, thesis production for Alto when I was graduating. They are parts of a costume that extends the body. So I use these to kind of um, sculpt this formable material, this formable fabric over them. I put sheets together and then I hand sculpted this. The poster of the outside is for the performance that I that I did. It was pretty much based on extending the body and using kind of 
well, as I talked about, kind of sculptural uh, bodily objects to dictate the, the movement. But I really enjoyed that because it was like the one time I had complete free reign to do whatever I wanted. But yeah, there's mostly just materials here where I would love to, you know, develop a better system to hold everything because at the moment it's just sort of stacked up. But um, it's just const constructed materials from different performances, whether it's card or, or wood or cardboard. I made this actually, yeah. It's like um, the frame is from an old, like one of these child buggy things. And then I like made the, um, the box. box and kind of installed it onto it. Whatever talk about my day-to-day uh, -day process, it's essentially me carrying or transporting very large stuff across the city some way or other, usually cost-effectively. So that's why I have like big wheeled carts to help me bring stuff. And then I also find actually this um, in the garbage room of the old studio in Itapasila. So it's like one of these like ones that they use to transport like all the magazines and promotional materials and newspapers and stuff like this, post. But it was like, I mean, the base is a bit broken, but the wheels were completely fine. So I was like definitely keeping this. I've been trying to do better at documenting and keeping like whoop, things of all my stuff over the years. So usually I have like um, old designs and drawings and kind of um, receipts and anything in here. So it's been important to kind of keep some, yeah, <laughs> keep something. I have my storage space at home, but that's just for personal stuff. Um, although I have one kind of big costume artwork there that's kind of in my basement because it's very big. Um, but apart from that, yeah, everything has to be confined here. Costume, you said. Do you, have you done costumes also? Yes, yeah. So I think a lot of times a lot of stage designers and costume designers are working in this, the same areas that the if there's a project they might hire the same person to do the costume on the set. Um, I kind of came to costume a bit later um, and I would say I'm kind of, I, uh, I'm interested in costume design and I dabble in costume design but I'm I'm definitely not uh, the same amount of skills as costume designers because they have a whole background of knowledge of being, yeah, working with machines, being seamstress. But um, I really enjoy the approach of making work for bodies, um, whether it's like, yeah, sculptural or more something soft like fabrics. But I would say I like to dabble in costumes. And the one I was talking about was a collaboration with my friend who's a costume designer. Elena Strom and we uh, made this, these two, it's hard to describe, two large mascot-like costumes that were hard materials. And we made it for um, the Uvascula Light Festival or Uvascula Valo Kalpunki. Yeah, we made it for that. And now we both have, it was two costumes because we were both also designing and performing in it. Um, so we have these big things left over and we keep complaining about how they're taking up a lot of room and we should really do something with it, but it's hard to get around to it. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, do some costume. It's really interesting, like this idea of costumes with hard materials. Mm. I find it really, really inspiring because... It's like a shield. Yeah, and, and I love that there's like a bit of a, like a, a, a crossover between set and costume that maybe... I mean, set can have a lot of different materials, but I love working with more constructive, hard materials, and it doesn't necessarily make it synonymous or mm, conducive for the body, because obviously a lot of the body needs like flow and movement, but I think it's really interesting when it could be considered like choreographic objects where objects are leading the body rather than the body leading the objects. Um, so I find the approach of using hard materials or sculpture materials on the body, really interesting. And I, and I get really inspired by other designers who do that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I definitely don't have a, a background of knowledge of, uh, of sewing and everything that comes with that because it's a whole other field. But I would love to learn more. Did you see this, like lately there was this uh, dress that it was a, a Adobe conference. Yeah, 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 changing, yeah, yeah, changing patterns. yeah, 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 I thought that was an interesting 
uh, and like I think there's there's a, a couple of like designers now who are very much like melding uh, costumes or fabrics and clothes with I don't know what you would call that like sort of like electronics yeah electronics and coding and sort of the changeability um, I think that's really interesting I definitely find that fascinating but I'm not um, experienced enough in, in coding or this to or electronics to be I mean yeah there are so many so many parts there that you yeah it's it's really like a to make it work it's like a whole other world yeah. but I, I like I find that interesting but I don't know how visually or aesthetically I find it kind of exciting because it was sort of like I thought it was very cool the way it could be able to change but then taking a step back it was like a quite simple dress with like a silver pattern to it so I think there's like a lot of room for an exciting room for play but uh, I think it's like this like idea of, of having the balance between like developing the technology but also the design as well and the visuals but at least that's how I felt yeah <laughs> yeah what did you think about it <laughs> I mean it was a very classic shape of the dress mm. uh, but then I guess you have to balance because if you want to have some interesting change in the pattern like if it's if it's some very extravagant shape of the of the clothing itself it's might be too much yeah yeah and it, it, it depends yeah know. yeah yeah it's like this balance of like especially kind of what you're valuing or what you find interesting that and i guess also really depends what is actually possible to in order to make the whole thing because yeah. it's not it's not just like like that no no yeah, yeah. And there it exactly works. It's, exactly it. exactly that, there's like a huge amount of work that goes into it so i can understand i think it's just like a personal approach of what i find interesting or something but uh but i think it's 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 really exciting especially i've seen like I forgot the name of the designer, but there's like I think this young designer in New York who's been making a lot of uh, moving costumes, and they've been really fascinating. Whether it's kind of like feathers that have been coated that they can lift and go down at their own pace, or like um, this dress that was printing out receipts, like the, all the dress was printing out numerous receipts. And I think that's there's a lot of like uh, room for play, and I think that's really interesting, especially with how much. Mm, I haven't really gone into that rabbit hole, honestly. Yeah. Sounds very yeah, I think like I think I just come across these a lot on just like social media, like Instagram and stuff. And although my, maybe not necessarily it's something I'm doing, I find it really inspiring what they're doing and just also like the possibilities of pushing mm. costume or 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 clothing design. Yeah. Have you pushed uh, stage design? into those kinds of, of it's like I've used projection or something not that that's yeah, anymore but yeah, yeah I think like not so much I've been really thinking about this for the past I don't know how many years because it does I mean it's been around for so long but it does feel in the past couple of years that there has been like a really interest and general push towards yeah electronics digital kind of platforms and that crossover and then I really feel it's that you kind of question whether you're part of this trend or you're not and how much you want to be involved or not. And so I always kind of question if I should learn more about it. But as I mentioned, like I really, for my own practice and interests, like I'm really interested in materials and very physical materials and very physical involvement of making things the same way that like craft people would be very much involved in it. And that's always been really fascinating. So I wouldn't say I have like a, a background of that, but I wouldn't also discredit it. Where do you gather inspiration for your projects? Um, okay, maybe not inspiration is a bit yeah. of a heavy word, but like yeah, yeah, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, probably, I mean, I get a lot of inspiration from other uh, designers and other artists, and it really can be like, a lot um, with kind of yeah maybe how they approach designing or what materials they're using and that kind of thing and then I really um, I, I kind of base my thesis on this because I really find it quite ins important or inspiring for me is the theory or idea of the sublime which is essentially experiencing something that is extremely overwhelming uh, whether it's 
physically or mentally um, and kind of feeling this unbalance of feelings but also driving kind of some pleasure from it so it was kind of really big concept for German romanticism where a lot of them are using these really huge landscapes or mountain cliffs or vast sea uh, landscapes so I kind of get that experience myself where if you're on top of a mountain or if you're looking out over a vast ocean the idea is that you can't comprehend the size of it the ratio of it because it's so overwhelming and it's it's kind of um uncomprehendable to your physical size um, and it can feel quite overwhelming and kind of even daunting but also you can kind of derive some pleasure in it so i that i i really base my thesis upon it and i find that really inspiring because I, I could I bring it directly into stage design of having the perspective of spaces or steps uh, sets being something that can be overwhelming in size or changing the perspective of the performer that they can look maybe quite like a like it's a, it's maybe like a whole larger theater theoretical discussion but it's, it's also maybe the idea that that we're all kind of one very tiny part of a much larger system and um, so I think it's kind of tying in with that so I find that area and concept really interesting so it really directly influences my uh, my work especially considering like perspectives and sizes and ratios and pr that kind of idea if that makes sense yeah. yeah do you do you physically put yourself in such a situation or is it more of a mental exercise yeah like i think it's it comes from more like uh personal experiences of like going for walks or going for hikes or going into larger natural spaces whether it's a forest or the sea or a mountain um i think it's probably also because like being from ireland there's so many areas for this that there's really large mountains and there's so much coastal area so i just kind of grew up with that and experienced it a lot so it's really influenced me um, and even if I'm not going there directly for inspiration I can derive it from that if that makes sense yeah I've never been to Ireland I would like to go one yeah because yeah. I've seen photos of those coasts and they are yeah yeah like I think really, the, really amazing the nature uh, or like yeah the landscape is really beautiful that there's really vast amounts of mountains and and beaches and everything so yeah it is really beautiful have you gone into this more of a sensory like changing mm. experiences of some sort like yeah like i think it's the it's something maybe that i keep in the back of my mind because as i mentioned like with the projects it's um it can be about a variety of different contents so i can't necessarily always go and be like i've got this idea but it's more that i think it influences my um i don't know like design of space and size and that kind of idea but i think if i have the or in the future have the opportunity to say work on some really uh, personal work derived from i think that it's something that i really would start from or start with is like uh, size and space and um, and like how someone feels going into the space so I guess it's sensory in that way that and I can kind of I consider a lot when I'm experiencing more uh, installations or public artworks where they have the ability to be much larger so I really find those inspiring because for me they kind of overlap between art and performance where there is the the artwork the unique ability to do what it wants to do um, but that the public or the people experiencing are sort of like the performers and sort of the piece leads them a bit. Mm. Um, that sounds really broad, but <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of inspiration from these installations that that can be overwhelming. Yeah. I remember when I was still in Alto uh, and I think it was part of a course or something and the, the professor took us there. Alto has this anechoic chamber mm. in the... Acoustics department, I think. I don't, I don't know, know if I've experienced there, it. No, I don't think I have. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very unique thing because it's you know you you enter that space and, and 
then it gets dark they, they turn out the light and mm. i think we were supposed to be there for like an hour mm. and for me it felt like 15 minutes yeah. no more than 15 minutes yeah. but you, you just lose the sense yeah of, of time because that's there's nothing to to the, to show you the yeah. passage of time yeah 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 that's really interesting and i think it's kind of yeah t- definitely touching upon that especially that it's very much like a like a, a sensory thing that it's like your sight and your sounds and your touch in the space that it's really mm. affecting your experience. So yeah, I should check that out. That looks cool. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. The sense of space, how, how you really yeah. define the space. Exactly, exactly. I think that's kind of it. And I think with the public artwork has that a lot of the possibility to do that because it could be outside, it could be very large, it can be more permanent. Um, so I think that there's the possibility to play with that kind of sensory mm. thing, yeah. Yeah, and if it's in a larger museum space. Yeah, exactly, so and it's do. like that the, the viewers have autonomy to move around within it and experience it however they want. So it's not so much that you're uh, inactive viewer kind of seeing something but that you're experiencing it I think that maybe that could define it a bit yeah mm. and then you, you wouldn't be able to see the whole of it though because you're just when you're part of it you can't really mm. yeah but then I guess if you have the ability to move around then you can be part of it but then you can take a step back and mm. look at it from afar and see how others are kind of interacting with it or at least that's how I would like to approach it yeah are there some certain artworks that come to your mind? In, yeah, in that there, there are, but now, like I, 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 like I really am bad at kind of remembering, to be honest, specific artist names or, or specific artist pieces. I remember there was a couple of years ago, in Amos Rex, I think it was the group Studio Drift, which I think is a mm, company. Right, yeah. yeah, this company based in Netherlands, I think, and they brought that. Uh, they had a big exhibition, but the one particular that I was really obsessed with was they had this really huge, large concrete block, hovering. That w- which was essentially hovering and floating in this space. And I was there and I spent ages looking around being like, I don't see any wires. I'm trying to figure out how this is done. Da, 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 da. And then I assumed because I, I don't think I ever physically find out but because there were or I don't know if I also want to ruin the surprise but <laughs> maybe I won't but anyways I, I, I find that really really inspiring and interesting because it was so overwhelming in size and it was so kind of gravity defying and mm. um, that people could pass under it and but there wasn't really anything above it so I think that was something really um, inspiring and uh, I think maybe also with say larger spaces and institutions that have this for instance like the the Tate Modern in in London like it's such a massive vast space that it really allows these types of artworks to exist there like there was like the well, it was years ago but the Ila for Uliasson if I'm pronouncing his name right that he did the the weather project with the huge the rising sun. sun yeah and I think it's just with those types of spaces it allows artists or designers or whoever to make these kind of huge works and um, yeah but there's probably yeah there's a lot of um the artists and designers i find inspiring but i don't remember their names <laughs> but which isn't so good <laughs> two is still fine yeah what did you think of the studio drift one oh, i i really love that exhibition yeah, yeah it was very very impactful yeah mm. yeah and there was also actually the same uh in amos rex there was the exhibition blick and I forgot the artist, but I believe it was like two female artists uh, and one was a maybe a stage designer, one was a sound designer and they were collaborating. But I find that really inspiring because it was like essentially sets and they were very, uh, I yeah, I just remember I was kind of fascinated and I really enjoyed it. And it mm. was a lot to do with, they had these amazing soundscapes and kind of large set pieces. I'm not sure if I've seen that. There's yeah, it was maybe. I'm trying to find uh, it, but it was maybe two years ago. Or oh yeah, it says 2021. Yeah. Did I've, I miss? I must have missed that. One. Yeah, but I find it really, really inspiring. You can check it out. 
Yeah, I can check yeah. it online. Yeah. Yeah. Are there yeah. any actual spaces that are apart from the Irish coast? Yeah. Somewhere around here, more closely. Definitely uh, religious spaces. Um, religious spaces. Yeah, mostly not for the religious contest, but the size that. I find it fascinating that throughout history, religious spaces often are some of the largest buildings and some of the most vast spaces. And I find it fascinating that they have allocated so much space to um, to something that's uh, very like a non-practical thing of that you build a large office for people to work or you build a large building for people to live. But I love... Um, these huge cathedrals or huge mosques or kind of that they have so much vast uh, sailing space as well um, that and I think maybe growing up I went to a lot of cathedral spaces I was singing in a cathedral choir so I was going to a lot of these different spaces but also if I'm ever in a different city or different country like I always want to go see the different religious spaces whether it's churches or whatever and I find those really immensely uh, inspiring and fascinating both for the context but also just the size but I think that that size can apply to other things like huge industrial spaces something that's kind of yeah vastly open and say hasn't been split up into different rooms or whatever so I find those um, really inspiring yeah <laughs> hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I, I'm trying to Think of such a space somewhere in Helsinki. Yeah, well, for instance, like that, the that Gasukello that I mentioned earlier, mm. like I find that kind of really inspiring because it had a, like, although it was an industrial space, it, for me it had an aspect of it being a religious space because it was like this vast thing. Um, and yeah, now I'm trying to think of, because I, I kind of think also that there's like different countries or cities uh, say have uh, the cultural centers have taken over larger previous industrial spaces and then used it as an artistic space mm. and I, maybe that hasn't happened so much within Helsinki where the biggest spaces are Ham uh, or the top floor of Chiasma and um, and I think that's the one Kind of Halle also has this big yeah big yeah 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 yeah. There. yeah so I find that it was interesting because they're sort of uh, taking over like a previous history so that it has this feeling of whatever it was before, whether it was like a industrial workshop or something. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I find those really inspiring, but it doesn't necessarily yet need to be like a cultural space. It can be whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this building also has a history of being something else, but the spaces are not Yeah, 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 yeah. open. No, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess it's the historical trend of artists taking over abandoned spaces, which predominantly could be offices uh, or whatever it was. And so, and I think this, at least the floor we were on, was apparently previously a tax office or something. Oh. At least someone <laughs> mentioned. So, interesting. Yeah, and actually, I also find out that uh, this room is only half the size because they built this temporary wall which mm. is this one, so it used to be double the space, but yeah, which is why this random yeah, there is this vent is hanging mid-wall. <laughs> it's a very questionable choice, but uh, yeah, but I find that kind of interesting how different architecturally, how different spaces have been kind of uh, allocated or, or taken over during the years, um, especially considering older countries and how they've like transformed their buildings. I had this exhibition in February where I, I was constructing this, but it was a digital space mm -hmm. from the 3D scans, but then adding to them. And then there were videos within that space. And I, I got interested in the, in the theme of space at that mm. point. Mm. I never pursued it further. Yeah. Maybe I'll get back to that. Yeah. Else. I mean, there's, well, there's always possibility and it's something I find like massively interesting especially considering like um public design and it's, it's really interesting because it's like 
the design of a city essentially navigates the people that live within it and mm. how they get to spaces, how they feel within when they're in that space. Um, but it can be also not a good experience where there's like something called like hostile architecture where it's like architecture or design to necessarily like not allow certain people to be there or to kind of make a feeling that, it, for example, like the... Um, I forgot what it's called, but it's like the homeless spike design where oh, they yeah, put that's... spikes on places where they don't want people to sit. So yeah. Or those be... benches with like a handle in exactly, the middle exactly. so you can't lie down. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. like, um, I think it's really powerful like how design can be used to navigate people and also include them or exclude them. Um, and it's maybe something we don't think about so often we say we're walking around the city but I find it really intriguing how the city has been designed or for to navigate us and uh, I mean some cities are designed mm. but some cities just organically grew yeah yeah depending also on the age. without any design <laughs> yeah I mean I think that there's always like design part of it that I can agree that there's like that things can be especially with time built on top of each other um, but there's always like consideration of the whether it's really practical of like what money is allowed how they need to get to here but also like that for me it always like navigates something people and very like emotionally and how they as i said navigate and feel within that space mm. so but it's like interesting when cities even i've like seen that helsinki in the time i've been here has expanding massively and still intends to do so so i'm finding it really interesting with what decisions they're making with how they design new areas like for instance like Sampasadi, this entire area has been built up or what they decide with public design when they're um designing the new yokarai kind of going through this new tram rail system and i find it really interesting kind of but of course it's usually like a financial thing of how much um money is allocated and if they have to cut costs then uh, practicality always reigns and the sort of maybe the design aspect takes a step back so I find that kind of really interesting because it reflects on a city's value or values sorry or how they see themselves or how they want others to see themselves in terms of like how the image that Helsinki or Finland is producing to the international community so I think about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sometimes a little bit think about that. Mm. Not that much, but yeah. I think in Helsinki they are actually taking these things into more consideration than many other places. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for yes. inviting me to your space yeah. today. Thank and, you uh, for coming. <laughs> yeah, good luck with the work uh, yeah. performance. Thank which you, is thank you. Next month. That. Yes, yeah, and um, well, yeah, I can send you some links, but I think it's, yeah, always best to follow me. Uh, I update my Instagram probably the most, and it's uh, where I would post my process of making my stuff, but also if um, if I'm working on a specific project, the, the dates and stuff are there, so I think that's usually easiest to find me there. <laughs>